Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies. I've got Zach Lyman on the podcast today. He's been performing comedy for over 12 years and has a great podcast for comedians called the Zach Lyman Podcast, which I started listening to even before I started Behind the Bits. It's a really good podcast, and he puts out some great content there. He's also starting a new project called The Big Laugh, which is comedy performances recorded in front of a live audience and going to be streamed on various streaming services. So you can go to biglaugh.com and sign up to find out when and where that's going to be streamed, or you can just click the link in the show notes. Also, I am trying some content creation, so if you wouldn't mind going to 60 Second True Crime on TikTok and subscribing, I'd appreciate that. Give me some feedback on what I'm doing. It's just uh, some funny stuff I'm doing just to, I guess find out if I can do content creation. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's been fun so far, and I'm almost to 1,000 followers. So that's 60 Second True Crime, 602nd True Crime, and it's also in the show notes. Here's Zach Lyman. It's a good one. Really stoked to have my guest on today. This is somebody I've been wanting to talk to, and I always make little notes of people I want to talk to, and he mentioned that he was starting a new project so i thought it would be a good time to bring him on this guy actually he's got a really good podcast himself about about comedy stand up like what we do here at behind the bits and really gets into some deep discussions about different aspects listen to today i listened to the one about confidence having confidence in the different levels where you need to gain confidence as a comedian and how everybody says it's really cool to go up there and you must be very brave, but there's other steps of confidence you have to take, like talking to a booker and stuff like that. So I'm really stoked to talk to Zach. So I'm going to bring him out right now. It's Zach Lyman. Zach, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for all that kind words. Yeah. Yeah. We were just talking about nobody listens to a full podcast and I listened listened to the whole confidence thing earlier today. That's great. Yeah. That's good. But I really appreciate you being on the show. And I've heard a little bit about your new project, The mm-hmm. Big Laugh, but I wanted to get a little deeper into it and find out how you did it and why you did it and what's coming up for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, man, The Big Laugh has been my life for the last, I would say, eight months, maybe 10 months. Who knows at this point? I'm not <laughs> trying to count. And, yeah, it's just, it, I feel like maybe 10 months ago I had a conversation with some comedians and for years, as I feel like many comics have this conversation of, man, wouldn't it be nice to have a great tape 
And wouldn't it be nice to have multiple cameras and good audio? And if we could just pack a room and just pay for the recording ourselves, that would be great. And I always had that conversation. And then finally, I was like, let's just do it. Let's just put it together. And then as we started putting it together, I was like, I bet you we could make this into a real show. And uh, so I started looking into film distribution and who does film distribution and different companies. And I found a company that I liked and started talking to them. And I've had a couple of meetings with them of like before we filmed the thing and then after we filmed the thing and like just like making sure that we do all the different things needed editing wise and quality wise. And yeah, it really just started with a conversation of friends. And now it's a TV show where it's going to be each comic doing 15 minutes of their best work and two comics in every episode to make it 30 minutes. And yeah, it's just some of the best comedians that I'm friends with, I personally know, and to make this test season one with them. And I'm really blown away with how it's turned out. And I just been literally for the last two months, just editing it almost every day. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds really cool. And you are so right in the fact that everybody wants a good tape, but it's so, it's not as easy as you think it is because you really need at least two cameras in order to get those multiple angles and every all the algorithms say and all, everything says that you need to be shot from different angles and it needs to go back and forth in order to keep people's interest and all that kind of stuff in in that just that is hard enough to do because I, I did a show back when I was in South Bend and the, it was the thing that you were doing except for, I only had one cameraman and I had all these young comics that wanted to have a decent tape to submit to festivals and stuff like that. And so I hired a guy, I charged, I think five or 10 bucks at the door and got him paid. And so it was just a single shot, but he was a good photographer. The problem was, Mm. is the audio mix just didn't, he didn't have two mics. And so there was a table right by him that really wasn't there for the show. (laughs) And you you always get that. And they were just talking. So he had to really, he fixed it, but in fixing it, he really muted the laughter. So mm. it sounds like it's this murmured laughter the that they're just chuckling, and that's not what was happening. It was real laughter, but it was just the way he had to mix it down. It wasn't good. And I know some a, a couple of them might still use it. This was back in 2018, early. No, mm. it was 2019, I think. But yeah, it was it, it was a process, and it was a learning process. And I know that if I was to do it again, I'd do it different. There'd be two cameras <laughs> and two mics. I'd pay a little bit more for it. But yeah, yeah. I the, the jump from that to just to pitching it to get on TV, I think is a great idea. So what did you have to do to pitch this to get it on streaming services? Yeah, now there's tons of different companies that are maybe an aggregator is what they might call it or a distributor. They have these different terms and you can, there's tons of them you can go with that basically they'll pitch it or they'll pitch it to the deals that they have. And there's like indie there's like another one that's called like indie move or something but there's tons of them out there and they'll pitch it for you to x amount of streaming services or whatever areas and then if you get on there 
they most likely just take 10% of that deal. Oh, so they're kind cool. of going in as a deal. Of, this is for both of us. And then some of them do charge up front. And those might be like, I remember in the, like a long time ago talking to a distributor and it was $1,000 up front and they'll give you $500 back if you don't get anything. So then $500 to use their contacts to hopefully get a meeting with some of these big distributors yeah. is pretty cool. So yeah, I, I just found one that I enjoyed. It's a company called Film Hub. Okay. Uh, they work with tons of different people and they seem to really like buying comedy and yeah, it's, they work with anyone, but it's, they only make money if you make money. They're more interested of finding projects that are going to be in the realm that they're looking for. So some of the streaming services that they work with, which they have deals with so many of them, some of them are looking for more comedy. So it's just a good fit. They feel good about it. But again, as being a comic for so long, I don't feel like anything's a hundred percent done until I literally see it on yeah. the streaming service. <laughs> so I'm like a little hesitant still, but so far so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at your, you've got a couple trailers out there and as far as the photography is concerned, you really did that. So you, at that point, you probably hired your own photographer. Is that somebody that you knew yeah. that's done shows before, or is it just somebody that you found on the street? <laughs> a little bit of both. A fellow comic, Josh, Josh Boyle, he owns a company called Heavy Feathers, and he films a lot of local comics in Arizona, but he also has filmed like big productions comedy wise, mm -hmm. like really done like some comedy specials and stuff like that. I don't know what he's allowed to say and not say, so I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Okay. But uh, when I, 10 months ago, when I started talking to him, he it was still, he was getting this off the ground and was trying to get more into doing specials. And then in the last 10 months, he's filmed a lot. So then when it was time for us to film, he literally, we had a meeting at the venue at Improv Mania. And he was like, this is where this camera's going to be. This is where this camera's going to be. I have these two mics for this and this mic's for this. And he already had it all planned out. We had, I don't know, me, Josh, and I had two meetings at a coffee shop before just talking about what I'm looking for, what I like, what he likes, getting ideas. I've also done a lot of videography stuff in my life and worked on a lot of projects, mostly in like the marketing aspect of working for marketing companies and stuff. But yeah, so we, I already knew what I needed in some way, but I knew that he could take it to that next level of like totally outside of my skills and just really trusted in him. And, and yeah, he brought, I think there was like three or four cameras and we all 4k. And then I sent him what the film distribution company sent me of here's the requirements of a frame rate of quality wise, all the different random things that I definitely need to pay attention to during editing, but he definitely needs to like, at least be thinking about when we're filming. And, uh, you know, we had one night to pull it all off and knocked it out of the park. Everyone had amazing sets and <laughs> I, I still, it still feels unreal how perfect it went, the filming and having it all set up because uh -huh. as, as you said, how many times I filmed something and the audio has been bad or the camera angle or someone stood in front of the camera or yeah, yeah just baffled. We pulled that off and we, uh, we packed out the room, sold out the show and that was enough to give funding to pay for the filming and pay for the things needed to get that done. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, and that idea is great and kudos for packing packing it out because that's not always easy did you do it on a weekend or a weekday i think it was a f i believe it was a friday yeah so. that helps 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a decent day. And Dave, that owns the Improv Mania, is just the kindest guy. We were actually going to film at a different venue. And we started working with them and they were very hard to work with and very like kind of wishy-washy. And and then they moved our date three times. And I just, I went to Dave and I was like, listen, man, I got this thing. It's basically set up. I just need to find a venue that I trust. And Dave is such a kind human and he loved the idea. And so I'm glad that we did it at a venue that I can, as you saw in the trailer and as people can see, like their logo is right behind us for Improv Mania as we're performing. Yeah. So it's a big shout out for him. And so I'm happy that we could do something like that and get back to a a good venue like that. Yeah. And it's, I think it's an added, it gives a real nice added atmosphere that it's in a real comedy club. And I could see this done like in a small theater or even a bar that's set up well, but being able to see that this is in a real comedy club and the different angles show the different parts of the club and people sitting and stuff like that. So I just thought it was really nice setup and that's going to come through when folks are watching on TV. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent agree. I, it's like I said, turned out better than I expected. And yeah, you can see the crowd and see how close we are to the crowd. And then even in the trailers and then the more stuff I'm going to be releasing, you can just hear that laughter and it's it's powerful. It sounds, honestly, it sounds like, like TV laughter, like these audience, (laughs) studio (laughs) audience, like it's just, it's, it's more like clean and clear than I ever thought it would be. And you can really tell that these comics got everyone going and they were very, and then we, as you're filming and sometimes maybe you need to reset the cameras or you needed a break or between the comics and Uh stuff like that. And they just stayed with us. They were really in the show. That's great. That's great. How did you pick the different comedians that were going to be on the show? I want, of course, these are like some of my friends that I personally hang out with. And and then some of them are just comics that I really admire. And so I just wanted to like to make sure it was very different. Like I have a certain style of comedy and then I just wanted almost every type of comedy that I enjoy or that I think people would enjoy trying to just have a mixture of comics and mm-hmm. different point of views and yeah, just people that I knew could really pull together a solid 15 minutes and or people that have blown me away. Jacob that's in the trailer, like in Ruben and stuff, they all of them are Rubens new to Phoenix. He's a Florida comic that moved to Phoenix. And the first time I ever saw him perform just blew me away. And uh-huh. I would say most of the comics on the show, the first time I ever saw them just blew me away or uh-huh. I've known them for years <laughs> and still baffled by the <laughs> stuff they do. And one of the things that haven't gotten so far is, okay, you get us to this company that's pitching it to different streaming services. Do you know if this is going to be on like a single streaming service, multiple, or do you know where it's going to land at this point? I have a good idea. Okay. Like we had a meeting and they were like, these two streaming services are pretty, they're like, this is, we're going to sell it to them. Like that's how they, we feel good about these two. And then I, I asked, okay, well, these others on the list. And they said, yeah, if these first two pick it up and it does really well, we can use those numbers to be like, hey, look at how good it did on this channel and they can sell it to more. And the advice that I've gotten from a few people that have sold movies and stuff online that I've talked to they, is that sometimes you get offered like a exclusive deal and it's usually not as much money as if you just sold it to all 
the, you yeah. sold it to everyone. Uh, you just left it open. You got $5 over here and $10 over here. That's like the angle that I went. And they asked me that too, the film distribution. They're like, is there like a certain one you're looking for? And I was like, I just want to make the most, I want to, I want to get it out there the most. So I want to get the most eyes on it. So then all of us as comics, hopefully this can help our careers in different ways. And then, you know, we can continue to make other things down the line instead yeah. of getting into one deal and maybe the money looks good or whatever, but then it fizzles out and we can't get a second season or we right, can't do right. it third or whatever yeah, yeah and if the first season does well then that'll give you traction for season two to yeah get on yeah. even more services so that's great i don't know if you've noticed and you're uh, what i get from you is that you are a student of comedy just as much as you are a comedian and you very much live in that and that's really where i am in my life and i'll always be that because i'll never be i don't think i ever want to be a touring comic unless i just completely mm. retire and my wife can come with me if, if i'm away from my wife for too long it just isn't good because we've been together <laughs> for 40 years and it's just eh, i'm not going to go to dubuque and feature for i don't carrot top or whatever yeah and be happy about that but one of the things i'm noticing is i'm a real big independent music fan and most of the music i listen to is either self-produced or on a very small label and stuff like that. And there are people like me that do the same thing. I always, it's funny because I, if I join their private Facebook group or whatever, I see the mm -hmm. same people and it's not necessarily the same genre of music, but it's people like me who want to seek out those people that are making great music. And it's almost like a nerd culture. Um, just wrestling and Dungeons Dragons and all that kind of stuff. It's like a nerd culture. And I'm seeing that happening with comedy too, that there are people who are seeking out those comedians that don't necessarily have a Netflix special or Amazon Prime special or something like that. But they're really just seeking them out to say, oh yeah, I know that com comedian. And then they become like part of their tribe and it becomes the whole <laughs> Tim Ferriss thing. And I really enjoy that's happening. And I think that's why the streaming services are interested in that. Cause I think maybe they're seeing the same thing. Are you seeing that type of thing go on? Yeah. I mean, I think this is my 13th year in comedy and I think this is the most popular standups ever been while I've been alive yeah. or at least as a full adult or whatever. Definitely the most popular and very much like comedians are becoming not like celebrities how they used to be, but like a new type of like comedy celebrity. And yeah, I get stoked when someone tells me a comic's name and they're like, oh, they got this YouTube special you got to check out. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm like excited about that stuff. Yeah. And it seems like there's more and more people that are in that world for sure. And but here we are on a podcast and all the top podcasts are comedians. Yeah, they sure <laughs> So it's just evolving and stand up in a lot of ways and comedy as a whole. And yeah, it's, there's other shows that you and I have seen. I grew up with like Comedy Central premium blend. Oh know, yeah. Where I'm yeah. watching uh -huh. Patton Oswalt who looks 15 doing a 30 minute set. Yeah. So it's, I've always wanted that and I've always wanted to be a part of that. And mm -hmm. it's now come full circle where I'm like able to make my own in a way yeah. and have it in a way. If you told 14 year old Zach that streaming services are going to have endless amount of comedy that would blow his mind yeah and we're in a we're in a technological phase right now where 
you can DIY something just as good as a production company can do it. Yeah. And that's huge because you can, and you can do it for pennies on the dollar too. Somebody that uh, a poor starving artist can get some stuff done. And that's really great. And this, that's one thing I really want to study more. I actually might want to write about this whole nerd culture that's coming up about stand up comedy yeah. because I, I've got a couple people that listen to the podcast that have no desire to be a comedian. And yet they will message me after every episode and say, hey, I really like this part and I really like that part. And, and that makes me feel good. But I just, when I started this, and you're, I think you're probably my 120th interview. And when I started, I was like, okay, this is going to be a very niche thing. And yeah. it's just going to be for other comedians to listen to because we're talking serious about stand up. Nobody's going to want to listen to this. And I'm finding out my audience, first off, they're a lot older than I expected. A lot mm. of them are my age. And I think it's just because I'm that age. So somebody wants to listen <laughs> to the old guy talk to both the old guard and the new guard. And so, yeah, I, I really think that there's some teeth to that whole nerd culture and i just i i really i hope that that becomes a thing to the point where you guys can really not only be seen make a living at it ties this stuff to a point that you're you you don't have to do that day job and yeah. you, you don't have to do doordash or whatever just to make sure that you can have enough money to have enough gas to get 300 miles away yeah yeah, I would. I purposely got the Big Laugh LLC, and uh -huh. I purposely set it all up so that if this works out and things are good, all the comics that you see on the Big Laugh, I would. If they came to me and they said, "I want to now do an hour," I would help them film that hour. Yeah, I'd help them get that distribution on the hour because I believe all of them should have an hour, and, I, and hopefully that could help them exactly do that, quit their job, and have something they could tour on or whatever else they want to do with it, and just set them up for success. Because yeah. that's yeah, you're right. I, I I really can hope that we can do. It's there's so much good comedy that's just not being seen, and it's yeah. not the fault of really like back in the day it was like you had to have a comedy central special and that was like it you had to be on letterman that was it yeah and so there's only so many days in a year that those two companies can do anything right so yeah there was a, a limitation but now it's anyone can do anything so it's like why not yeah. why not these comics live off of what they're good at and I'm always inspired by people like you that do take things to the next level. And you've done it so many times with the podcast and the, uh, doing this. It's hard enough, and it's hard enough to write material and get booked on shows and get to the show and then get home. It, I, it's hard enough. I, it's, yeah. And for a long time, that's all you needed to do. A, it, because it paid pretty well and gas wasn't five bucks a gallon and it, the clubs would put you up and all that kind of great stuff happened and you could get by with it. And now if you don't have some really good side hustles going that are connected to your comedy because the, it elevates everything when you do that, then you're 
if you're a young comedian, you're probably not going to go very far because you're not seeing the different avenues that your creativity can bring to you. Yeah, it's there's a lot. And I remember making that decision a long time ago where I realized that I was never going to be like the club comedy's favorite comic. Mm. Like I was, I just knew that I was never going to be in the circuit with like mm. Laugh Factory and any of those. I'm just not that style. It never was. And especially when I was younger and I wasn't very good at it. So it's okay. I gotta, I gotta make it my own. So I started booking the bar gigs and started booking my own like tours and stuff. Uh-huh. Just being like, if I can just gather people and then over time then of course if let's say tomorrow i have a a million followers uh, of course i could get a gig at any club i want if i told them i could bring four thousand people so yeah yeah and so it just it pays off in the end but yeah you got to see these avenues and you got to be working on something and i'm very project based is what i've recognized is that i just have to have goals and i have to have a project or else comedy can feel very like you're you're going nowhere yeah because you're right it's just a lot of open mics and bar gigs and but it doesn't really feel like a progression unless you set these projects out so. right and it's not necessarily I don't want to say this and have people just think this is right, but you don't necessarily have to be great to start doing this. So you've got 13 years under your belt. So if nothing else, you can go out and entertain a crowd and for a longer period of time than somebody who's been doing it for two years. But somebody that's been doing it for two years is pretty good. That's got 10, 10 pretty good minutes. They could do some shit with that <laughs> yeah. and springboard them and using TikTok or reels or whatever they use that can get the, get them seen in an audience and almost get them into different places that they probably aren't quite ready to go yet, but it can at least give them that chance. Yeah. Yeah. I knew a comic that was very new to comedy, like maybe a year or two in, uh-huh. And they decided to enter the contest. And the contest was if you made it to the, if you won it all, after all these rounds, you got to do like a TV spot of seven Uh minutes or whatever it was. And that comic was so new. They had only seven minutes. Yeah. Those seven minutes were very good. (laughs) Yeah. So I watched them win every round until they went onto TV. And it was in every, you could have asked other comics and they're like, oh, I wouldn't do that. You're not going to win against some other person if it's your only seven minutes and it's really good your odds are pretty high yeah you're right yeah you can do a lot that's the big laugh i'm having comics do 15 minutes and if, if you have a killer hour take 15 minutes of that and put it on the big laugh that's great it's a killer 15 but again yeah maybe you maybe the 15 is all you have and that's great too yeah but, and yeah, get exactly. some confidence go back and listen to the zach Lyman <laughs> podcast and listen to the confidence episode and that will help you to actually ask to get into these things so yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I need to go back and listen to that. Yeah. It's almost like a self-affirmation for you. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, sometimes that podcast is, especially just me either ranting by myself or talking to Lou Moon, who's been on the podcast like 80 times. I'm glad we've covered your current projects, but somebody who's been in it for 13 years and has stuck with it, there's got to be something to it. So what was it that got you started doing stand-up 13 years ago? So I always loved comedy. As many comics, we just didn't realize that it could be a job when I was a kid. I'm watching mm-hmm. Steve Martin, Wild and Crazy Guy, and nowhere was I like, I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> I never had that moment. So I was doing 
doing sketches, a lot of different filming sketches with my friends and stuff like that in high school and doing like some long form stuff like that. And then I was working at a coffee shop around like 18 years old or something. And the owner was like, I want to do a variety show night and I want to have jugglers and people breathing fire and music and comedy. And he was like, I'd love if you could host it. And I was like, okay, never hosted anything in my life. But he was like, yeah, write 10 minutes of jokes and then you could host it. And so that's what got me started. It was like every Tuesday at the coffee shop I worked at, I would host an open mic basically. And then on weekends, we had a lot of bands and that's like where we made all of our money was like having these live bands. And that's how I started getting into the DIY stuff, like understanding, like watching my friends and bands and meeting these other bands every weekend. And, but yeah, just, I started hosting there when I was really young. And back then when I was 18 years old, there was only, I could only do coffee shops. So I was doing a lot of coffee shop open mics. And then when I turned 21, finally I could go do the clubs and all that stuff. But yeah, that's really where it all started. That's really cool. Now, it's one thing to do the hosting and do your local stuff and have fun with that. What was it that made you take the leap and say, okay, I'm going to be a touring comic now and I'm going to go out and book my own gigs and do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I would say there's like a definitely, I remember when I took a one of those tests in high school of what you should be uh-huh. and that it said entertainer. Oh, wow. Like I, yeah. And it's a, it didn't say anything about going to college or anything like that. I don't think mine <laughs> did either. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it was like planted in my brain and then doing the sketches and stuff. I can't, I'm sure if you talk to 16 year old me, I probably imagined being a comedian at some point. But I just never really put those pieces together until I started hosting that. And then I had other friends that were doing like bands and comedy and stuff like that. And I was watching them book tours and get signed to labels and stuff like that. And so I think that's what motivated me to go from just like a host to like, I want to make this a job. And I would definitely say like when you're 18, you're not, I wasn't very serious about it. I was sure I was telling everyone I was a comedian and. I was booking a bar gig here and there or whatever it was, but I think it really set in when I was like 21, where I was like, I have to focus and I have to like really make this a career. Yeah. And then I remember all of my twenties just really like buckling down and taking any kind of job I could. So then that way I could do the comedy or do the tours or anything like that. That's great. And you're really good at, I know you've got a marketing mind, but you've got a really good way of getting your name out there without, I guess, being a blatant self-promoter or at least the look of it. It's, okay. it's I've, cause I've seen your name so many times and I know you, Dan Bublitz and I know Dan too, and you both have this way of really connecting with the people that, that follow you rather than just saying, I'm on this show. I, I really love doing this and look at my video, blah, blah, blah. It, you really actually interact with people when you do that. Do you feel like that's helped you get a baked in audience for this big laugh that's coming up? Yeah, I think a lot of that of just over the years of really trying to like, it used to be, let me get people to follow me on Instagram and really try to grow my Instagram. And now I'm realizing that this whole time I should have been adding them to an email list, but I like really making sure that I stay in contact and trying to grow and then 
doing these tours where it's the first time I ever performed in Seattle, no one came. Yeah. But then one of the last times I performed in Seattle, I sold out the small venue that I rented. And it's just like that, like constant growth of trying to stay in contact with these people and stay in front of them. So that way, when I do have something like this, I can pull it all together and really keep everyone on board. And yeah, I think there's like a, like one thing that I see comics do wrong a lot is they're just like post show flyers constantly. Yeah. Well, they don't care if you come to that show or not either. So it's, they don't, or they like, it's more, they just want to show you that they're doing stuff. And yes, I get that. Yes. You need to seem active or whatever. Uh-huh. But I think comics aren't really good at the, like how influencers can really crush it at like lifestyle influencing, where they're just like, they're making really good Instagram stories of them getting their nails done. And you're just like, why am I watching this? Yeah. But I'm captivated. Yeah. And I think <laughs> comics, we miss that understanding of people just want to like a real person they don't want you to be so like salesy all the time yeah and i always tell people oh sorry yeah i I, I always tell people that you don't wake up in the morning and go man what did target post today uh uh-huh yeah so it's like i always try to make sure that i'm never that yeah (laughs) yeah And putting the clips out there is great. And one one of the things I love is when comedians do really good reaction videos. And and you've got a couple on your TikTok that I really liked. And there's one local guy here that's just great at it. And because he's super deadpan and just his reaction is so much better than the original. But doing that type of stuff just really brings people in. And they're not thinking of you as a comedian they're thinking of you as like a, a content creator or influencer or whatever and my it's hard for my old brain to wrap my head around it because i was born before the internet and <laughs> yet my brain is wrapped around it because i watch the shit it's all there and there's certain things i like to watch and because the algorithm that's what pops up when i open up my tiktok and my reels it's really makes sense and the only thing is once you're done you always have to remember okay these guys were good so i'm going to go ahead and follow them so that i can see all their stuff but yeah it's it's definitely a game and I know how much work goes into it because I struggled when the podcast started. I'm like, oh, how do I get stuff out there? And it was, I think I was well over a year into it that I found out that if I did memes that said how bad my podcast was, that people were following me on Instagram and my numbers on the podcast went up. So I just put these memes out. You know, it's a terrible podcast. Podcasts in general are terrible. Every, everything about podcasting is just awful. I put that out there and I get more followers and more listeners. So who would have thunk it? And, yeah. And, uh, and I, I did a few of them for just a joke. And then I'm doing reels to that effect. And I'm, uh, I'm taking stuff. The newest thing I'm doing is I'm cutting up audio, like from this interview, and I will find the most negative thing you said during the interview. And I'll say, Hey Zach, how'd you like the podcast? And it'll be something like, yeah, you're a really bad interviewer and I don't like you stuff like that. So I, and for some reason it works, I'm not going to mess with the formula and I have fun doing it. That's fun. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's a reason my, so I have two TikTok accounts. So I have the Mm -hmm. Zach Lyman comedy. And that's just like when I have a random comedy idea or whatever. Yeah. And then the other one is the tinkering with Zach or thrifting with Zach. 
And that's where I fix retro video game machines. And I do a voiceover while I do it. Uh-huh. And those went really, it's because like I'm hiding the comedy, right? Like, yeah. like you're watching a thing be fixed and then you're like, huh, this guy's kind of funny. Instead of you see Zach Lyman comedy and you go, well, he's a comedian, so it better yeah. be funny. And so it's, you're setting that expectation in different ways. It's like, how do you hide the funny or how do you use your skills in a different way that seem very tangible and easy to digest. And I always think of, have you read the Chris Gethard's book, Lose? I have not read that. And I've actually written that down a couple times. It's okay. My girlfriend suggested it to me and I listened to the audio book as we're driving and it was incredible. And he has a, I think it's like a whole chapter about comedy and a thing. And he talks about, and it just really clicked. Like I was already making the TikToks, I believe, Mm. with tinkering. And it just made it, I understood why this was going well for me. Yeah, (laughs) And it was a whole chapter of, yeah, you, like everyone knows what stand-up is. So how do you add an extra layer that makes it more fun or more entertaining or makes you want to go to that thing? Such a good book. And I think that what you're doing translates to people showing up in clubs because let let's face it what all the other crap that you do that is building your fan base and getting your name out there that's all fine doing a tiktok's fine doing reels fine all, all that kind of stuff is fine but as a comedian the only time you really feel like you're alive and you're doing what you were meant to do is when you're on stage in front of real people and and if what you do gets butts and seats and i really do think it does i'm why would all these TikTok only stars that have never done comedy why would they be able to sell out a club uh if if that wasn't the case yeah people want to do honestly it's funny because you're right like these TikTok stars they could also just do a meet and greet if they wanted could invite everyone to literally a warehouse and just have a giant meet and greet but i think Instead of that, they go, I'll be on a stage and talk and, yeah. and we'll work through this. And sometimes they are stand-up comics or they're learned to be, or they just became or whatever it is. But yeah, you're right. Like they have the following and the following wants to be there for you. Yeah. And yeah. they want to interact and they, they want to buy your merch and all right. that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. And I've definitely seen it. My podcast and all the, all these things that I've done over the years has like definitely, I vividly remember in 2011, only getting three minutes at the club instead of the promised five because I brought nobody. So, <laughs> I, I remember that vividly. Yeah. So I know for a fact this has changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's really neat to see. So a lot of older folks are stepping into stand up comedy, and mm. some of them are really embracing that. They've got great TikToks. They really understand how to do the social media and they are definitely getting a leg up on everybody else because let's face it there what when you have a comedy show at a club the demographic is going to be almost everywhere in the united states it's going to be probably a third of them are couples my age that get out once a year no matter what and they are at the club there's going to be the family. There's going to be mom, mom, dad, the son-in-law and the daughter. They're going to be there. There's going to be the 
bridal the bridal shower is going to be there and then there's going to be the rest of them are going to be folks that said what do you want to do tonight i don't know let's go to the comedy club so with all those different demographics being represented there there's something for everybody in every audience and and so that filling any demographic and as a comedian, you got to be able to entertain them all, obviously. But if you want to draw them, and some old folks only like to watch old folks up there, and it really, it's really a big help if they know that you're out there. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, and I wonder about that about these. Let's say a TikTok star that sells out a venue. How many of those people have ever been to a comedy club before? But I'm, some of them are like, I just found out this venue existed. I'm yep. positive that's like the mixture. Because you're right. You, I think you perfectly named how if I was just to do an average comedy club weekend, that's exactly what I expect. Yeah. And because also comedy clubs, you get on their email list or their phone list, you're going to get free tickets. Yep. They called you and I won it. It's the prize of the weekend. And my wife and I had nothing else planned. So here we are. Yep. There's a lot of that happens. But if you're a TikTok star and you're like, no, you are coming to stand up live to see me. The fans are like, yeah, whatever. You, uh-huh. you could have told me to meet you at a coffee shop. I don't care. So it, I, I'm wondering how that mixture is going. But I definitely see it because I've a lot of my career I've performed in bars and then music venues that mm-hmm. I've rented out myself. And so it's not always, I feel like a lot of those people, especially if they're like just fans of the music venue, they just go to that music venue and now here they are seeing a comedian and they're like, yeah, I guess. I don't know if those people transfer over to comedy clubs. So it's very different world yeah. that you're working in. And I'm going to switch gears here for a second because I've experienced a lot of this lately. And I hope, I don't hope you have, but I hope we can talk about it. Let's talk about rejection a little bit because Uh, we could talk all day about that. (laughs) And yeah, podcasting is very similar to comedy in that you got to pitch yourself to a lot of different people in order to make any money at it. And I've been pitching myself to a lot of people lately because I had some sponsors and then I didn't have sponsors and I changed hosts and the person who was getting me sponsors i lost them so i've been really putting myself out there and i've gotten a lot of crickets lately either a few no thank yous but mostly just nothing back how do you how did you when you first started how did you deal with that and what did it do to you and how do you deal with it now yeah i definitely deal with it a lot better than when because also I think now I'm in my 30s and I understand myself and the world, everything a lot better. So I'm just, I'm more of a grown up in general. So yeah. you're talking like rejection at 19 years old or 21 or 22 or, yeah, like definitely took it to heart and really felt that. And then I've only been accepted into one comedy festival ever. Uh-huh. And it was in the year 2020 and it didn't happen. So yeah. I, I think I think I have 11 or maybe 12 or 13 rejection letters of comedy festivals over the years that I've applied to. And literally just either you get no response or they tell you why you didn't get accepted. Like I've had close calls where they're like, ah, 
you would have fit our roster, but actually you're too late. And we kind of want to, we're waiting to these other spots. And so, so yeah. like nice enough to tell me why others tell you no reason. And then some have like straight up been like, yeah, you're just not what we're looking for. And once I think I recognize that not what you're looking for and you're not good at comedy are not the same thing. Yeah. I think that helped a lot. And also I had I was venting to a friend one time that's not a comedian about how I didn't get on this thing that I really wanted. It was like a show or something. Mm -hmm. And then they were like looking at the lineup online and they were like, do you like any of these comics? And I was like, no. And they're like, yeah, then <laughs> like, right. yeah. you're not a good fit because you don't like their comedy and it's not the style you're doing. And I, it, that really low. Uh -huh. And I think. Just years of getting rejection and dealing with it and just not taking it personal is really now it's if I was to, I, I had in the last few years applied for a festival and then didn't, and then got a rejection letter and went, oh, eh, eh, whatever. But yeah, just recognizing that you're not for everyone. And I think a lot of that just pushes me to doing my own projects, like the big laugh where I'm like, yeah, I'm not for everyone, but I know that there is an audience for what I am, but it's probably not. You know, I'm not the same audience as like Kevin Hart, so mm -hmm. I'm not going right. to be, I never think I'll be at Kevin Hart level. Who knows? But yeah. uh, so I think just recognizing having realistic goals kind of helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit easier for me because I've been in sales for, I don't know, 30 years. And oh, okay. the amount of rejection you get in sales is just phenomenal. It's just, yeah. you try to sell a hundred times and you just sell one. And so the rejection I get on the podcast side and sometimes the comedy side, it doesn't affect me as bad. The only thing is I look at them as business people and mm. I think about how stupid they are because the drop in the bucket that you would have to sponsor me or mm. have me be your house podcast for a comedy club, something like that. They are really missing out by not just having a conversation because yeah. they don't know how cheaply I'd come. I, I, I might come really cheap. I might come free if you give me a good comedians to talk to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm reaching out to brands that I actually use and things like that. And they're niche internet only type brands of stuff that I, yeah. that I've supported and things like that. So I just think, man, you guys are really not good business people because you're not following through on something that could cost you next to nothing and get you a whole bunch of new customers. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I definitely have worked jobs where you like to start to realize that, oh, I don't want to work with these people that don't understand what I'm doing. Like I've worked in marketing Yeah, and I told myself years ago, I was never ever going to work with another company that doesn't believe in marketing, like right. that aren't yeah. sold on marketing yeah. because every day all I was doing is trying to convince them that like I, I worked with one company and their sales took off through marketing that I was doing for them. And they were scratching their heads going, huh, I wonder how this happened. And then I was in the meeting being like, yeah, it's because of this thing. And they're like, ah, I don't think so. And I'm like, no, right here, I could show you. And, like, ah. <laughs> and like, after that moment, I was like, never again. And I still have that in comedy with venues where I'll call venues and I'll be like, I tell you for a fact, I can sell this many tickets. I know uh -huh. last time I was there, I sold that many and it went well. And they're like, ah. and so I, every so often I get this where they're like, we'll do like a ticket deal. We'll take whatever. 
And then I just turned the conversation where I'm like, how much to rent the whole place? If I just rented the whole place and then they're like, oh, no, he's serious. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'll fine. If you don't believe me and I tried to give you that good deal, let me just rent the whole place and I'll keep all the ticket sales. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be frustrating where you're like, this is a good thing for you. Yeah, but, and, yeah and you just can't convince everyone. Yeah, and folks are, some folks are really good at, getting that business started and put it together. They just don't know what they don't know. And if they don't open themselves up, up to learn it, then it just isn't going to work for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to rant about that a little bit because <laughs> I've, it, it's just been like hitting my head against a wall for the last couple months. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Just talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been good with sponsorship on the podcast. I've had sponsorship. I've worked with small companies, larger companies. And then not that long ago, I had a good deal. And then I started doing the read and I just couldn't, I just couldn't read. I yeah. was just like, I can't do this. Uh -huh. This isn't me. And I just gave up on, I was like, you know what? And so then you can hear it in the show where all of a sudden I'm just like, I don't know, buy a t-shirt. Yeah. Like, <laughs> go on my website and buy a t-shirt. If that's, <laughs> you want to help me? I sell a t-shirt here and there. It felt better than me trying to. Because I, I think you, what you're doing is a great idea. Yeah, go after products you actually use. I was trying to do a read for a product I didn't really believe in. Yeah. And it just, it hurt my soul. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really care if they <laughs> buy this thing. But if yeah, you're right. If I worked with a company that I was like into, especially like I'm big into coffee. Uh -huh. I was working with some coffee brands that I loved. Yeah. I would totally oh, yeah. be stoked about it. And I'll totally do the read and make it sound believable. Yeah. But I'm just not a good salesperson if I don't believe in anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the same. I've Some of the ones that were assigned to me at the host I was at were the same thing. One of them was Manscaped. And I did one read for him. And it was great because they sent me like, I don't know, 250 bucks worth of stuff. And nice. it was like soap and all kinds of great stuff. So th that was fine. I did one read and the feedback was you sold nothing. And I'm like, that's pretty <laughs> much what I expected. First <laughs> off, they're not going to buy things off of one read. If you think they're going to buy off of one read, I, Wild. I'm not Joe Rogan. So that's not going to happen. But second off, you know, whatever, they paid me 150 bucks and gave me a bunch of stuff. And I've gone through it now, but whatever. And the other one was did three months of HelloFresh, which was fine, but I they gave me some free meals and we my wife I didn't like them. <laughs> it wasn't it just wasn't that good. And we so I my reads were pretty much covering every point that they wanted me to cover, but there was nothing behind it, just like yours. It was just like, okay, I'm gonna do these reads because I'm contractually obligated to and then I'm going to be done with this because I don't like them. Yeah. So that, and so that's why I'm reaching out to the people I actually have some passion about because I think their product's great, but we'll see. You know, so, yeah. sometimes I have to hit them four or five times and just uh, astounded at the crickets I'm hearing right now. Yeah. And there's some disconnect where some people really understand the podcasting world and the power of it. And then some people don't. I, I I don't think they understand at all. I was just talking to a buddy about that where he was like, he got hit up by a podcast and was like, should I pay them? Should I not? And I was like, you know, asking what are the numbers? And is it the right audience? Yeah. And like, like asking like some analytical questions. 
And, but I could just tell that he, he was like, I don't even know if that was a good idea. Yeah. From the beginning, he's yeah. like, is podcasting a thing? Because he doesn't listen to podcasts. So he's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You almost have to get it. And it's amazing how many people have never listened to a podcast. And yeah. my son's one of them. I've been podcasting for, this is my second podcast, and I've been doing it for seven years, eight, maybe eight years. He's never listened mm. to one of them. And I don't expect him to. And he, I, he's never listened to a podcast. What can I ask? So yeah. even if it's dad, so whatever. I wanted to ask you, this is something I've been asking folks a lot lately. And you've been doing this long enough that you see a lot of new comics coming up. If you saw somebody that, and the other thing is, I guess I know this you see these people up there that have this spark. They may not necessarily even have seven good minutes yet, but th you can just see that they write good stuff. Their mind is a comedy mind and the, they are, they have the potential to be good. And when you see somebody like that, what advice would you give them to make those first two or three years of comedy First of all, more fruitful for them so that they're learning better. But second off, springboard them into getting within two years, getting to that point where they're seasoned enough that they're more like a five-year comedian. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I have, I definitely have friends that I've met and I can immediately think of, I have one good friend and the first time he ever met me, he came up to me at an open mic. It was his third open mic ever. He said that he said, I, <laughs> This is my third open mic ever, and I'd love to just sit down and get a coffee with you. And we sat down, and he asked me every question he's ever thought of about comedy. Mm. And he wrote down vigorously different answers and stuff. And I definitely think that's, like, the advice I would give uh, a new comic is find a comic at an open mic or maybe someone in town that you see around. Maybe they are performing at the clubs or something. And just be like, can I buy you a lunch or a coffee or something? And what can advice can you give me? And I say that, find a comic you like and you like their career and you like where they're going. Because every advice they're going to give you is, if you ask me, I'm going to give you advice of how to book your own tour and how to... But if you came to me and you're like, Zach, how do you get into the clubs every night? I'd be like, don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I can point you in the right direction of people <laughs> that work the clubs a lot, but I've never yeah. been that guy. Yeah. So yeah, make sure you like their career and like them as a person and then sit down, get to know them. And then, yeah, just the other thing I see a lot of, and this is going to sound like an old guy. I, I just, I don't think at least in Phoenix and stuff, I don't think comics are watching other comics enough. I think like they yeah. do their set and then they go out to the patio or whatever and smoke a cigarette. They're not watching how the other comics have worked on that joke or yeah. what they've yeah. tweaked. Yeah. And what they're, and I've always been like, I tried to always consume that the most yeah, and really see how people are growing. And, and then also just the other advice I'd give is be open to advice. Cause comics that are veterans, I've been doing it for a while. You might annoy them with how you've been doing that joke. And they might come up to you later and be like, listen, you got to change that joke. You got to yeah. change it for these reasons. And then just listen to that right. vet of at least Take it with a grain of salt and hear out of what that is because he might be or she might be trying to save you some time of, hey, here's why that jokes. And I've definitely done that, like where comics had a really I can immediately think of a comic that had a really good joke. And then the punchline was a little 
not so PC in a way, but didn't yeah. need to be that way. It mm-hmm. needed to be this like walking the line where the rest of it didn't. It just didn't fit. And I yeah. just told them that. I was like, you're just going to get more people on board and it's going to be funnier. And I bet you'll get a bigger laugh if you just tweak it to literally say these different words right here. And they did tweak it and it's better. So it's you got to just listen to that advice and take what's around you and yeah. pay attention to what's happening around you for sure. The funny thing is about advice is it, it doesn't hurt you a bit to take that advice and try it a couple times. Yeah. At an open mic or if you're doing a showcase, just try it a couple times. I took advice like that fairly early on and I work pretty clean, PG 13, maybe it's pretty yeah. much TV clean. And I've got this joke about my wife and I having nothing in common. And I say, oh, we got stuff in common. And one of the things I like to do is insert these young terms that just sound stupid coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and so that, that brings the young people along saying, hey, look at the old guy saying young stuff. And, and the last thing I say is we don't front. And I say, I don't front, she don't front. And what I've always said is we don't know what that means, but I've, I've been told we don't do it. And then I had a comedian say, oh, I would give that a really big punch is just say, I'm serious. We don't fuck around. And so I tried it a couple of times and I got pretty big laughs out of it. But then I looked at who I am as a comedian on Mm -hmm. stage and I'm like, it just doesn't fit. I just can't, I can't do that because I just don't say that on stage. And I say it a lot in real life, but when you look at me, I just don't look like the type of person that would say that on stage. So it, it may get a laugh, but at the end of that laugh, you're thinking, yeah, that doesn't sound like him. And, and then that takes you out of the next joke. And so, but I tried it and I enjoyed trying it. And I was flattered that somebody would, that was a little bit further along actually gave me some advice. It's another thing. It's another thing with older comics is nobody, people are afraid to give you advice because they don't want the old guy saying, yeah, your kids get out of my yard or whatever. They, they think we don't want advice and we do, we are as mature of a comedian as the amount of times as we've gone up, no matter how mature we are as an adult, our comedy maturity is the same as a 20 year old that's gone up the same amount of times as us. We need it as much as anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Even I don't care if you've been in comedy for three months or 20 years, if you come up to me afterwards and you have a good tag or a good uh, idea, yeah, I want to hear it. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm always like, yeah, what would you think? Yeah. And it's, I would almost prefer that you've just barely gotten to comedy because maybe you're not so like thinking this way or thinking that way. And you're just like, your brain's out there a little uh-huh. bit more. So yeah, I think, yeah, everyone should be taking advice. And I know some people get offended when they are given tags or something like that. And I think that's crazy. I think we should all be listening and helping each other out because right. that's the only way we're going to grow is if we could just help each But like, I also, I think a lot of that comes from me of, I have such a weird style of comedy and I got some really weird jokes. Uh-huh. So I was always the guy like would meet up for coffee and we'd all be writing and then I'd be like, yeah. And then I got this joke where I roll on the right ground and I make these noises and people would be like, I can't, I have nothing to help you punch that up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I, lo- <laughs> I love that bit, by the way. And the fact that you're narrating your life a- around the bit, the little throwaway lines and stuff like that. And 
than going right back in the I really like it. But I do understand that you have an audience and I'm the same way. You have a, a more specific audience that, of people that are going to get your whole act and right. there's going to be people at the club that enjoy you, but there's going to be people that say, oh my God, he is so good. He, he is saying the comedy that goes on in my head. And so I, I understand that because once you find those people, they tell you, yeah. and that's one of the best parts of being a comedian is you, you really connect with those people and they're like, oh, what you said is exactly what I think and, <laughs> and, and the way I think. So that's, and I can tell you're one of the, one of those types of people. And if we were to try to be a regular comic, just be the uh, everything that and I, don't, I, I hate to say panders, but panders to the audience, the so universal that anybody would laugh at it. We would just die inside. It, it just wouldn't work yeah. for us because we're just too weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I say that often. I've done like different gigs in my life where it's, I, they hired the me and they should have hired like a, just a normal comic. Yeah. And they hire me and then I give them a C plus show because mm -hmm. it's just, I'm, I knew I cut out the weird jokes a little bit and I try to stay in the safe zone of it Yeah, and it's fine, but it's just not a hundred percent me versus like me performing in a backyard and everyone's rolling on the ground yeah. laughing yeah. because they're like, this is my comedy. Yeah. And I think alt comedy has a lot of different subgenres too. It's like Reddit. And yeah. so you can find your tribe, but sometimes it's a little bit harder, but when you do, it's really cool, <laughs> man. I really appreciate you being on the show. I, I I've gone long here. I usually do an hour, but I really enjoy talking to you. I just felt like it was yeah. a couple guys sitting around talking about comedy, but folks, <laughs> make sure you go to the big show.com and sign up for the email. So you know where this is going to be shown. And for gosh sakes, if you like comedy, just support it, just watch it. And uh, I'm, I know you're going to like it because it's, I know it's going to have great uh, production value and I know Zach knows uh, funny people. So this is going to be really good. And I'm watching you, buddy. I'm watching everything you. you're doing because I'm going to probably try to replicate some of that myself. Yeah, man. So I think what you're doing is great and thinking outside the box and uh, getting comedy where it needs to be. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and all the kind things you've said in this yeah. hour. I appreciate it, man. I really do. And uh, yeah, 100%. I really just clearly, it, the big laugh isn't just me. It's a thing I'm putting together, but every episode is different comics and they're all so wonderful. And I just, I want to do my part in the comedy scene of helping people yeah. get shown that normally don't get that option yeah so, yeah yeah i really do appreciate it everyone that signed up for the email list and everyone that's been supporting because I, I really want this to take off not for me but for everyone yeah yeah and that's one thing i like about you is that you are one of those people that really want other people to succeed and that's a that's a trait that is very important these days yeah 100 percent. yeah well, thanks for doing the show i appreciate it yeah thank you man i appreciate it's it great thank to get so to know much. you a little bit better